Yo, 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 what's up? This is Romeo Marquez Jr. Thanks for tuning in to episode number seven of Superstar Success University. And today, I'm really grateful to have this conversation with my boy, Eugene Tejada. You ready to do this, Eugene? Yeah, I'm ready to do this, man. Thank you for uh, inviting me on this call. Uh, can't wait to share my story with everybody. So Eugene Tejada entered the draft to play in the PBA, the Philippine Basketball Association. However, Eugene's dream was cut short in 2006 when he suffered an accident that left him paralyzed from the neck down with a 4% chance of ever walking again. Through faith, along with the support of loved ones and his willingness to beat the odds, I'm happy to say that Eugene is able to walk again. Today, Eugene travels all around the world sharing his story, empowering people to stand up and overcome. So that was just a little piece of who Eugene is. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Uh, right now, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I go around uh, different parts of the world, actually, and talk about and just tell my story about how I overcame a tragic inju- uh, injury that happened to me uh, about seven years ago. And uh, I just tell people my story about what happened and how I dealt with it. Before we get into that actual incident, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about what it was like for you growing up and your journey to be a professional basketball player. Uh, it all started really when I was young. Uh, my father was a professional basketball player in the Philippines. Growing up young, all all we did together was watch basketball. Our relationship was built on the game. Uh, and our, uh, that's how our, our relationship is. You know, he took me out on the court. He trained me as hard as he was on me. That uh, he, he put that in my life, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And it taught me a lot of uh, life lessons through the game of basketball. And what were some of those life lessons that you learned in the game of basketball? That uh, nothing comes easy. You have to work at it, uh, stay committed and dedicated. And you have to, uh, you know, have a plan for everything. Because if you don't plan, you you, you are uh, likely to fail. By him preparing me when I was younger to go against all these great basketball players, that uh, it made me uh, never give up on when things got rough. It just taught me, you know, to stay in there and stay and stay focused. See, yeah, this is a reminder for everybody that preparation breeds success. And so after you played basketball in high school and we went to the same high school, how did you end up over in the PBA? Did you go to college first? How did that? that Yeah, I went to Chabot College, did the two years there, you know, played really well, got a lot of scholarships. But, you know, this is something that I didn't take seriously. And after I say, you know, stick with it, uh, I was never really a studious person. So then I just used my basketball skills to get me to open a lot of doors with me. And then I didn't know, realize how important education was to leave those doors open. So I lost a lot of opportunities to play, you know, really good Division One basketball or even really good Division Two basketball schools. When I was younger, all it was about basketball. Like, you know, like I told you earlier, like me and my father's relationship was built on basketball. And uh, he was one of those really tough dads that, you know, that, I only wanted to play good basketball, so I would get that recognition from him. And uh, I think that's where I put all my focus in. And, you know, now that I'm older, that you, you know, you realize how much, how important education is. It has so many doors that can be open for you just by having that knowledge or having that degree in your hand. Mm-hmm. So after that, uh, after those two years where I, I, I went to a really small Division two school in Holy Names College in Oakland, after that, I didn't finish uh, in a some agent came up calling and asked uh, if, I, if I wanted to play in the Philippines. Me being full Filipino gave me that opportunity to become a, a local citizen in, in the Philippines and become a, a professional basketball player. And, of course, he showed me 
how much I would be making. And I was like, sign me up. At, at the young age of 22, I, I left my friends and family and went to the Philippines where I didn't really know too many people. That's where it all began. Or I played over in the Philippines. So tell us a little bit about your experience in the PBA, the Philippine Basketball League. Or what does, what does the PBA stand for? <laughs> the Philippine Philippine Basketball Association. There you uh, go. There you it, go. It's comprised of about 10 different companies that are all scattered around Metro Manila. And we play in where... Well, I, I know they have a lot more uh, arenas now, but where the thriller in Manila happens, that's where we had our games when uh, I think it was Ali versus Frazier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. That's where that's where we have our games. So it's a pretty big venue. We play in front of twenty thousand people. Basketball is another one sport out there, and it, it's paying people's lives out there. They love it. They follow us and everything we did, and it's quite an experience, you know, coming out there for just a little a kid from Hayward, California going to a different country and just instantly everyone knew my name and we, it was, was kind of crazy. It was kind of kind of surreal. And uh, at being really at 22, I, I didn't handle it very well. I, you know, I got a little cocky and, you know, enjoying the lives of being, I guess, quote unquote, a superstar or something, I guess uh-huh. you can say. I mean, you definitely are a superstar and it's, th- and this is the reason why I'm having you on the show because it's more than obviously just playing in the PBA. But I really believe that you are a superstar of this game we call life. And this leads into my next question, and that's tell us about the day, the event that happened that turned your life around. You know, after years of uh, playing in the year uh, in the PBA for about three to four years and having a ton of success and not having any, uh, you know, just sitting on the bench a little bit, just being young, learning from the veterans and other coaches, I got traded to a situation where. I can be like one of the main players, and and then that happened. I started playing well. My career was taking off. You know, all these endorsements were coming in. Right when I was on the top of my game, I went up for a rebound. It was just a random play. Uh, one of my teammates was going up for the sh- uh, uh, layup, got fouled. I got the rebound, and as he, he was fouled, so on his way down, he clipped my leg. As I got the rebound, I'm falling backwards, so another player was falling. The other way, he was about a 6'11", 270, Filipino-Australian, landed right on my neck and uh, dislocated my D5C6, which uh, left me paralyzed from the neck down. And uh, that, I can say that's one of the scariest experiences of my life. It's just like I heard of, uh, like three or four pops, and then it was like an electric shock hit my body, and I felt like my legs were by my, legs were by my head and my hands were by my toes. It was just like... You know, if your computer crashes, just imagine how what that looks like. It's just going crazy, and then it's done. And that's exactly what happened to me. And uh, I was trying to get up, but the signal wasn't uh, going through because I had broke my neck. Mm-hmm. And so right when that incident happened, did they just rush you to the hospital right away? What happened next? Oh, playing in a third-world country, uh, you would think they would have an ambulance, but there wasn't. I was playing, I, uh, technically, uh, they called it an out-of-town game, so Metro Manila, and there's like a city called Antipolo up on the hills. So it's maybe about an hour away from the city, and they considered that an out-of-town game, so they didn't have ambulance on site. So what what happened was I was laying on the ground for about, a, I would say, about an hour with no medical help, no nothing, just laying there, and uh, I had tears coming down my face because I, I knew the severity of the accident. And, uh, you know, you, you hear stories like when someone breaks their neck, try to get uh, medical uh, assistance as soon as possible. And I was just sitting there, and I knew that long that I sat there, 
the worst my condition would be and being there for an hour, I really thought, man, this is, this might be it. This felt, I'm never going to move again. I'm never going to walk again. So yeah, that's what I was going through my head and just the fear of like, what next? What's going to happen? My career is over. Everything I worked for has just gone and just, it, just that changed my life forever. And uh, it really looked dark at one point where I just, I knew it was over and who am I? All I concentrated for my first 26 years of my life was basketball. And who am I now? And that's, you know, that's the stuff that goes through your head when you're just laying there like, and you can't move and then you're just stuck in your thoughts. All you see is fear. When you see fear in people's eyes and it's towards you, you automatically freak out. And that's what happened. A lot of things went through my head in that hour. How long were you in the hospital for? Well, so I was in the Philippines uh, for about three months. I had to rehab just to be able to sit up because uh, when your muscles turn off and then you sit up, blood just drops down to your feet and then you, you pass out. So I had a hard time just sitting up and trying to get to the hospital here in the States to start my rehab. So it was just a very tedious process of me just trying to rehab in the Philippines of just sitting up. And then uh, so about three months in Manila, flew to California back to San Jose and I stayed at uh, Santa Clara Medical Center for about a month as far as, like, they were trying to treat me, like, not even teach me how to walk again, but they were basically rehabbing me for my new life. And and my new life was, you know, they were saying I was going to be in a wheelchair. And when I was in the Philippines, I asked the doctors, what am I, what's the prognosis? Will I ever walk again? Will I ever move my hands or my arms? And then he told me it was a 4% chance. So when you hear that, you automatically, like, and that's almost nothing. But gave me four percent. So then it kinda of lit a fire in me for a little bit. When did you take your first step? Because you went through this rehab process, you went through this, you know, journey of trying to get better. When and how did you end up taking your first step? That was not like the most significant part, like, you know, mm-hmm. having your first step. Yeah. You know, I think my first significant thing was seeing my toes move. And like, you know, after the doctor said, not, I have a 4% of ever moving anything, you see my toes move, so then I see that, and you're like, oh man, I can do this. You know, it gave me that little hope, like, oh man, this is a, this is, this is a good sign. So then, that took about maybe, I would say just right before I left for the United States, and then after rehab, I was able to stand for the first time about four months post-injury. And that, I think that was like, the, the part I remember most, more than me taking my first step, you know, just able to stand uh, at the parallel bars and then just holding myself up, you know, with with my dead hands and arms and just, it was just my legs, it was just standing. I mean, I, I just remember it was like maybe a second or two, but it was a very significant moment in my recovery or my uh, in my healing process. And where's your body at physically now? Right now, believe it or not, uh, to God's grace, I think I'm about maybe 70, 75% back. That's everything awesome, every, Everything's moving. To My hands are moving. My arms are moving. It's just, you know, just being stuck in the wheelchair for so long that your muscles atrophied. So I'm really like, you know, and I was, very, I was a pretty muscular person before. So with that, it shrinks your muscles and, and all you're just like a tight ball. So every day I have to stretch and stretch and by me stretching so much that uh, it, gets, it gave me that opportunity to strengthen the, the muscles again. 
all the nerves are connected. It's just traveling through a different way to give those signals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, when you break your neck, those signals get blocked. But God's grace, I don't I can't explain how I healed when they told me I couldn't, that signals are going through, but, but through a different way. So I have to strengthen that, those signals. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so what are some things you are learning about life as a result from the incident? Like I was saying, being cocky when I was younger and then all the successes was getting to my head, that all that stuff didn't really matter. Because everything can change at an instant, like my life did. The only thing that that got me through this process was that I found my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And he he became my focus. He became my number one. There's a quote I want to share here that my teammate, I wasn't saved yet as a Christian man, but my, my one of my teammates was a, a, a Christian. He, he read me, Jeremiah 29, and for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to not, and not to harm you, and to give you hope in the future. And that's the quote that kept me moving on each and every day. All these things don't, don't matter. It's, it's your relationship with God and how you impact people. I think God is not is not here to give us comfort. He's more interested in our character and how we live our lives and how we can impact people and how can we help others. And I think that's, that's what gets me through it every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's how I look at life is trying to, to reach people who, who suffer injuries like me or who go through tragic, that uh, it's not over. You know, these are only the beginnings. It might be a little setback, but sometimes uh, you need to slow down and sometimes change when Sometimes, like there's a thing I hear a lot is that if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And uh, I feel like by me getting hurt, kind of like I could say, like, save my life, save my soul a little bit. Mm-hmm. You being a person of creating a positive impact, and I'm sure there are a lot of great people that create that positive impact in your life. Who are some of those mentors or coaches in your life that helped you along the way? First of all, I got to say my mom. You know, my mom was, was so strong through this, and you know, having uh, me being disabled and, you know, growing up with a disabled brother, it must have been really hard on her just to see how she pushed through and her faith in God that, you know, things are going to be okay. This is his plan. This is his will that he puts us through, that she, she just to see her strength and how hard she works just to, you know, help me get to rehab or help pay for my rehab. So definitely my mother, basketball-wise, uh, father for sure, and but also... uh. I would say my uh, my late coach, Tony Costello at Chabot, gave me the uh, confidence that I was good enough, that I am enough to be a good basketball player, like in any kind of league, you know. So I would say those three people are, are a big influence in my life. And with that in mind, what, what's the biggest piece of advice you've received, either from them or from somebody else? You know, uh, I hate saying this. Uh, it's very cliche that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm sure people have said that. You know, people in wheelchairs, I, I know who I talk to, hate hearing it. But if you keep pushing on each and every day and you have focus and you focus on what gets you by every day. So I focused on God. Mm-hmm. He never gave up on me. He was always there. First of all, my friends, my family, they never gave up on me. So why would I give up on this? God, friends, family, and just seeing that when I talk or when I when I share my story or when people reach out to me, which crazy is people reach out to me all over the world telling me about their injuries and you know, I don't know how you know, social media or Facebook, Twitter, 
the internet has my story out there and then they reach out to me and, and I feel like that's, that's what I'm here to do is to impact people with my story that, like I said, just keep on pushing through and you can overcome. Just never give up. As hard as it may be, each and every day you have to have a focus on what's going to get you through and, and uh, those are the things that got me through it. And I like what you say uh, on how to just push through it every single day because there are days when we're at it, we're at it, we're at it, and then we stop because we don't see any results, right? Right. And it's having that that team around you, helping you keep your head up and and staying inspired despite any challenge that's coming through. So are there some challenging times even after the incident? To be honest, every day is a struggle. I wake up every morning. I'm still about 70% paralyzed, so you have to try to draw strength from somewhere. First of all, I say my prayer to God to give me the strength to get through this day. To be honest, every day I wake up mad or angry because who wants to wake up paralyzed or not be able to move like they used to? And that's something I have to get through. I go through God. And just, you know, I'm recently married, so waking up next to my wife uh, brings a smile to my face and it, it makes me push on to be a better man each and every day because she, she loves me for me. And then how can I hate that? You know, and uh, definitely like talking to my uh, niece and nephews, they get me through it. You know, I have to stay uh, connected with them because they, they push me on every day because, you know, I want to see them grow up, you know, hopefully one day I can have my own children. So definitely God, my wife, and for sure my family get me through it every day. And so what are you currently working on as of right now? Are you writing books? I know you have a film that's in the works. Yeah, well, I'm off to Manila tomorrow, actually. So I'm glad I got to speak uh, to you today, uh, meeting with my publisher, and then hopefully we can iron out the details on my book and hopefully have it out in the next few months. Documentary is still in the works. You know, we have our films. There's just a few things we have to finish up there so look out for a book it's going to be called uh, Stand Up and Overcome Eugene Tejada's story uh, and the documentary is still untitled so continue to speak uh, when I'm invited or uh, usually a lot in Asia not so much here in the States but I would love to start planting my seeds out here and telling my story on how, uh, what, what happened to me uh, so yeah awesome and as you know I wrote the success messages and part of that mission is changing the world one message at a time What's Mm -hmm. your message to the world? My message to the world. uh, Life is crazy, and things are going to happen where you don't think that's going to happen. You have a plan for your your life, but there's something happens. All I can say is keep pushing on and never give up and keep on each and every day. As hard as it is, you still got to keep on going and never give up. And I hate to say it, as cliche as it sounds, there definitely is a light in the end of the tunnel, and I see it each and every day. When, and I, let me, I want to talk about that light real quick. When you see that uh, light, what do you actually see? My tunnel was so dark in the past uh-huh. that the light, the light came. I walked with crutches, no wheelchair. That's okay. another. That's a little. That's a little preview of almost being at the light, mm-hmm. seeing my friends and family each and every day breathing. That's another light. Mm-hmm. And to the and just a couple of weeks ago, and thank you for coming to my wedding. I never <laughs> thought for... that I never thought that there would be a woman out there that would love me with all my everything that she has to deal with. Like I'm I'm broken basically in, in the world standard, but she she says to me, "Your imperfections make you perfect." And uh, so that's one part. That's a, like a little flashlight. And at <laughs> the end of the light, I, I I feel like, you know, being there, glorifying my God in front of all these people who got me through it at the end of the day when I meet my maker that 
you're going to tell me you did exactly what I need, wanted you to do, and that's the light I look forward to each and every day. That's awesome. See, you just broke down the light, and that's not cliche right there. You just inspired. Yeah, right. You just inspired me by seeing different kinds of lights in my life, and what light am I not really recognizing that's already there? Right. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way of putting it. I'm gonna have to take that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you came up with that. You came up with that. All right on. Um, so where can people find you, follow you, contact you, just in case they wanted to book you to speak? Uh, they can contact me at uh, Eugene Tejada at Yahoo. That's E-U-G-E-N-E-T-E-J-A-D-A at Yahoo.com. And they can get at me on my Twitter, Genie underscore 510. Uh, yeah, that's how they can follow me. Cool. Well, I thank you so much, Eugene, for, for your, your light your love and yeah. your huge heart as a as a contributor to the world i'm grateful to have you as my friend and a partner in crime or i should say a yeah. partner in change in this right. thing we, we call life right on cool gene well, well thank you for having me thank you for uh asking me to come speak and share my story i hope uh i can impact someone out there who listened to it uh so yeah awesome thanks for having me all right bro talk to you soon all right take it easy So thank you so much for hanging out with Eugene and I on this episode of Superstar Success University. Some key points I would love for you to remember is to keep on pushing, to never give up, and remember that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you know anyone who you think might benefit from this episode, please go ahead and share it with them. Also, I would love it if you could write a review on this podcast as I'm trying to build up the ratings to empower more people around the world. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just search Romeo Marquez Jr. and you'll see me there for some inspiration and motivation. And also, if if you would like to receive tips and tools to elevate your greatness and to stay updated on future episodes, go ahead and opt in your name and email on my website and you'll receive some cool stuff. My website is www.romeomarquezjr.com. That's www.romeomarquezjr.com. All right, y'all, this is Romeo signing off saying keep believing, keep it moving, and never, ever give up. It's time, y'all. It's time. It's time. Peace.